Hey, Rinas and Martelis, welcome back from your honeymoon. <laughs> it's good to see you. Just wave there at the back. They just got married. This is their first Sunday back, so it's wonderful to have you. It's wonderful to have you. Your commitment is not great. We thought you would be here last Sunday and the Sunday before, but we understand. We'll forgive you for that. Oh, it's wonderful to be here tonight and um, just to see a full house, to see so many visitors and to just experience the life of God in worship, you know. It's a, something that we shouldn't take for granted. I just, I just had such a sense of God's presence as we forget about ourselves and think of the people around us. And I don't know about you, but I just, those worship moments are just really special to me. And uh, thank you for the team who led us in there um, into the worship time. So that was really beautiful. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Leonard. Um, I'm the husband of one wife and also one of the elders here. And uh, my wife sends her love. We are busy uh, building an extra room in our house because we, we're getting a new baby soon. So our house is absolutely chaos. The floors are out and they, it's just chaos. It's just dust everywhere. So she fled to her, uh, to her mom's house in Wellington. So she can't be here. She sends her love. But nonetheless, um, it's really exciting to be here. I'm going to quickly take a moment to pray because I've just really tonight... Um, to be honest, they say when you preach for a long time, the, the, the butterflies don't go away. They're just to learn to fly in sync, okay? So you're never not nervous. But over the years of, of, of preaching more, I, I don't often really get so nervous anymore speaking. But for some reason in preparing for tonight, this afternoon, I just felt quite nervous. But not in a bad way. I actually just felt an expectation from God's perspective. And just had a real sense that God wants to do something tonight. And when I have that sense, I'm always a bit scared because I don't want to get in the way of what God wants to do. Because I'm only a human, my words can only do so much, but actually when God speaks through me somehow and I'm able to get out of the way and not tell stupid jokes, then God is able to move. And so I just want to actually pray for us, pray for myself, and just pray that God would come and do something significant in us tonight, okay? Um, before I pray, we, uh, we've been looking at this thing of, of, uh, of just a Christian for a couple of weeks, just trying to break the stigma that there are these super Christians and they're normal Christians, but saying actually when God calls you to be a Christian, He calls all of us to a high standard. And so we just want to elevate what it means to be a Christian. Someone can maybe close that door for me. That would be great as well. Um, <clears throat> so Father, I just want to thank you so much for the fact that you are here with us as we gather. Lord, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that it's possible for you to stand outside the doors of this church and knock and say, please open the door for me to come in. But I don't believe that's the case, Lord. I believe that you are here and you are working. Lord, I can sense you here, Lord. I can see you working. I can see the evidences of your grace when I look at the people around me, Lord. I know that you are here and I know that you are working, Lord. And as we come and look at your word tonight, Lord, as we come and try your, and hear your spirit for, for what you want to come and do in us as a body of believers, Lord, I pray that you would come and speak and that you would change our lives <clears throat> so that we can reflect you better. <clears throat> in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Please agree with that. We want God to come and change us. So, uh, you know, when we get saved as Christians, one of the big temptations for us is that we think that Christianity is primarily about going to heaven. And don't get me wrong, I am really excited about going to heaven. I do not want to go to hell. I prefer going to heaven. 
And when I got saved, there was this massive sense of relief in me, knowing that I get to enter into a relationship with a God who sent His one and only Son to die on the cross for me, die the death that I should have died. He took on what was my punishment. He took it upon His shoulders, and I do not have to be punished anymore. Someone please say amen to that. That is good news. I do not have to be punished anymore. I'm able to spend eternity with God. I'm able to be in heaven. I'm able to see and meet Jesus, to be with his people, to ask David one day why he picked up five stones to kill Goliath, to ask Moses why he lost his temper and broke all ten of the commandments at once. Like, I'm able to spend time with these heroes. Did you get that joke? <laughs> it was the first person to break all ten commandments at the same time. All right, when he... <laughs> When he came down from heaven, like, I am super grateful for the fact that I get to be in heaven one day and be with God and be with my Savior. And I don't think it's going to be like those stigmas that we have, that we all just float on the clouds with little wings. And I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be amazing. I think we're going to have friends. We're going to, we're going to <clears throat> have hobbies. I think we're going to have jobs. I think we're going, to, we're going to learn. We're going to still do sports. I think we're going to eat the angels ate. Andre says we're going to play touchies. I'm not so sure that's too. But I'm super grateful. But I just want to drop something with you tonight that Christianity is really, really, really not only about going to heaven. It's really not that. If it was that, then evangelism or telling people about Jesus, I don't want to make this light, but the best thing to do after you led someone to Jesus would be to kill them. To be honest, (laughs) because then you know it's sorted, right? They're going to heaven. If you believe in losing salvation, they can't lose their salvation. You sorted that out quickly. That would be the best thing to do. But actually, Jesus or God never wanted us to just get saved and then automatically go to heaven because there is something left for us on this earth to do. And if you are a Christian then you cannot be a nominal Christian that just goes to church to tick my box so that I can go to heaven. You can't be a Christian that's just so happy that you're going to heaven and you just live this nominal life. And, and actually, you know what? Then you actually you are wasting your time because God has much more in store for us. He's left us here for a reason. <clears throat> he's left us here to be conformed to the image of His Son. And He's left us here to do something for Him on this earth. And if you're sitting here and you've been saved, and I don't, I don't know if everyone here has given their lives to Jesus. I'm hoping at the end of this message we'll give you an opportunity if, if you haven't made right with Him. But if you've given your life to Him, if you've given your life over to God and He's, he's, uh, he's regenerated you, He's made you a new person, He's made you a new creation, if that's you and you are sitting here tonight, I want to say to you that going to heaven is not enough. God does not want you to settle for that. He wants you to say, Lord, there's so much more. And to live a life that is worthy of the calling that he has for you. And so one of the things that God calls us for is, the Bible actually says that we are to be ministers of reconciliation because we have been reconciled with God. What this means is, Jesus came into your life and he saved you when you did not deserve it. Anyone who thinks they deserve it, you are wrong. You were deceived. You never deserved it. But he comes and he says, my son, my daughter, I care enough for you that I would be willing to lay my life down, to die on a cross so that you can have eternal life. I reconcile you to me. 
It's not so much what you did, it's what he did. He said, I'm, I'm dying on a cross for your sake. And then the Bible says to us, if you have been reconciled to God, now I have made you a minister of reconciliation, meaning what you have received, you are now to give to others. <clears throat> and if you're not giving it to others, then I don't think you, you realize what you've received. The gift is so big that we cannot keep it for ourselves. We are to be those people that are to be ministers of reconciliation. We are to do something with what we've received. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, he's the king of quotes um, because he's, they, they call him the, the prince of preachers. He was a phenomenal preacher. He said, if you have never truly found, uh, you have never truly found Christ if you do not tell others about him. It's a really challenging quote. If you are not a minister of reconciliation, meaning you are reaching out with the love of God towards others, then he's asking the question, have you been reached out to by God? Are you reconciled if you're not helping others to be reconciled to God? And so there is this thing that each of us have a role to play. Now, the problem with this is the big E word. All of you are thinking, what swear word starts with an E now, eh? <laughs> if you found one, then we'll pray for you afterwards, because then you've got a bad vocabulary, because I can't think of one. But when people normally preach about this, I, I found it to be, did you get one? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but when you... Um, when, when I've, I've sat in, in preachers where, where people speak about this, they speak about the big E word, which is evangelism. And come on, I want to ask you just seriously, who finds it when people speak about evangelism, reaching out to others, telling them about Jesus? Be honest with me. No one's going to judge you. Some might, but it will judge the people who judged you. <laughs> be honest. If you're sitting here, who, who actually finds that intimidating? Let's be honest. I do many times. I find it a bit intimidating. To evangelize. Evangelism is this big word. It's like it means the good news. It's sharing the good news with others. And, and I say, yeah, Lord, I want to be a minister of reconciliation. But honestly, that evangelism word is quite, quite scary to me. But I, I want to, in a sense, demystify it and say, I think actually there's an easier way for us to look at it. And I want to do that by reading to you out of John 9. <clears throat> I'm going to read three verses. I found so much solace in this, and I've, it just, it, this verse has helped me so much. And it's about a, a guy that Jesus goes and he heals him of his blindness. But I want to show you just how this guy responds, because in a sense, this is like his salvation moment. He's a blind guy. Jesus comes into his life. He heals him, and he makes him to be able to see. And it's really, it takes so much pressure off of us. John 9, verse 18. <clears throat> The Jews did not believe that this man had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parent, the parents of the man who had received his sight. Then I'm just jumping a couple of verses to verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that Jesus is a sinner. That's what they say. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. You know that the amount of pressure that takes off of me? All this guy is doing is he's saying, I do not have all the theology. I've not, not done all the courses. I don't have all the right words. 
All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. In a sense, what he's saying is I can't tell you, I can't give you all the answers. All I know is I've got a testimony. All I know is that he did something in my life. And I want to say that everyone sitting here, if you've been saved by God, you do have a story. You have a story. You are able to say, I once was blind, and now I see. And although you don't have all the right terminology, although you don't have all the right skills, every one of us are able to say, when people come to us and ask us about the hope that is in us, which the Bible says we should be able to explain, every one of us should be able to say, man, flip, (laughs) I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was unsaved, but he came into my life and he saved me. All of us have a testimony. And I, I've told some of you my story. I mean, I got saved out of Boxburg, and then you know God exists if he can save people from Boxburg. <laughs> I got saved as a Boxburg boyke, uh, totally not interested in God, totally not looking for him. Uh, I I was not interested in, I thought I was a Christian, but I was not interested in pursuing God further. I knew no Christians, no real Christians at least, none that I was aware of. Um, I I, I never spoke to my mom. We would always fight. My dad was not in the picture. I, um, every weekend I would buy a bottle of brandy and half of it would be for the Friday evening, half of it for the Saturday evening. We would binge drink until we threw up and passed out. And that was my life for the longest time. And then God intervened, he came into my life, I went, I moved towns and I went onto this camp and it was really miraculous, the hand of God. And on this camp, I was in a worship time similar to what we had tonight and I experienced the presence of God that we were speaking about. And my entire life changed in that moment. And from that moment on, I've been able to say, I once was blind and now I see. Soon after that, I started telling people about Jesus, not because I had all the theology. I didn't even know how to read my Bible. I remember being so confused. Uh, someone gave me a New King James Version Bible, and I thought that's how you had to pray. Thou, O God, <laughs> art holy. I, like, I, I was really still a young Christian, but, but actually I was probably the most effective in leading people to Jesus at that time because I, I had a testimony and it was fresh. I could say I once was blind and now I see. And all of us have a story to tell. All of us have something to give to people, to say to people. And some of you say, yeah, but man, I was basically born a Christian. I know that doesn't work that way, but basically I gave my life to Jesus when I was a young child. You were just as lost as I was. If Andrew Seeley tells his story of living in a van and thinking he was Jesus and smoking pot every day, and you think, oh, I wish I had a story like that, then I would know and I'd tell everyone about it. that's not how it works. (laughs) You were just as lost and you are just as saved as him. (laughs) Even if you're a good person, the Bible says that your good deeds without Jesus are like filthy rags to him. He hates it. He detests it. Even if you were a good person and you came to meet him at some stage in your life, your story is still that. You still have a story to tell. Just like this man, you have something to say. Is that going in? <laughs> I'm hoping it's going in. Those of you who have been saved for a long time, who are, who are those people? Like you, were, you gave your life to Jesus when you were young. All right. You have a story to tell. You have a story to tell. Without him, you were destined for hell, but then he came and somehow he saved you. 
<clears throat> so all of us are actually called to tell our story and to, to in a sense, switch on the lights eh? and to, to show people the love of God. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. I always thought um, that this was referring to Jesus. You know, I, I thought it said, Jesus is the light of the world. And he is the light of the world, but actually this is a verse where Jesus speaks and he, he, he turns it around and he actually speaks to his disciples. He speaks to his people. It's like he's speaking to us tonight and he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So just for a moment, I want you to say, insert name there. So Leonard is the light of the world. I'm going to count to three then. Don't say Leonard is the light of the world. <laughs> say your name. Okay. I know there's a few slower ones among you that don't get it. Just try your best. Say your name. Okay. Say Lene, say Enray, say whatever. Okay. Eulogian, whatever. So I'm going to count to three. Then say it because it needs to get into us. One, two, three. Leonard is the light of the world. Okay, let's try that again. That was too blurry. One, two, three. It's probably because some of you have long names. You don't have to say your full name, your first, second, and third name. You can just say your first name. Let's just do it one more time. One, two, three. Okay, fantastic. Because that's what Jesus wanted to get in us. He wanted to say... Yes, I'm the light of the world, but I've actually called you to be the light. And I want to break a few stigmas here. I'm going to get to it later. We always want Jesus to come and shine his light, where Jesus actually says, no, I'm not going to shine my light except through you. And what are our prayers? Lord, come and reveal yourself to this person. What if Jesus were to say, no, you go to that person. I'm the light, but I shine through you. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Next verse. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light, gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. It's a command of Jesus. He's not saying even, you must hear me here. He's not saying let my light shine. He's saying I'm shining in you. You are the light. Now go and let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world. You sitting here, you are the light of the world. And it's a bit of a stigma that needs to be broken in us because sometimes we abdicate responsibility. Oh, Jesus will save that person. Jesus, I'm going to give you a few other verses to to um, to stalk what they now say to um, whatever to confirm what I'm saying now. I'm going to give you a few others, but actually, you have a responsibility. And I'm not here on my high horse saying I'm, I always do this right, but I want to tell you a quick story of something that happened about two years ago to me. Um, I so I've 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 led a number of people to Jesus, but this is a, a bit of a different story because I want to show you that there are other ways that God can even use us. So about, I think it's a year or two ago, um, during COVID time, my uncle, he got COVID, and uh, he, he wasn't in a healthy space. He'd had an art, he had an heart operation. He was a bit overweight, and so he didn't have the best chance, and he was rushed to hospital, and was that time, who remembers COVID, right? <laughs> it feels so long ago, but actually it isn't so long ago. And he was rushed to the hospital, and I don't know if you remember the time where the hospitals were too full that they didn't have ventilators and the correct machines and enough doctors for the people in the hospital. 
So they had him in hospital and they kept monitoring him as best as they could. And then at one stage, they realized that he needs to be put on a ventilator, ASAP, and they rushed to get him onto a ventilator and one was not available um, at, the, at the ICU. And then they rushed him to the emergency room to try and get him on a ventilator there. And on the way, my uncle passed away. It's my, uh, my mom's brother passed away, unfortunately. And it was a really sad moment. I, I immediately spoke to my family. My family was quite distraught. It was, a, it was a difficult moment. And they asked whether I can come and do the funeral, which, I mean, that's, as a preacher, that's an amazing opportunity to let the light of Jesus shine, right? And I did that. And I don't know if someone's life was changed by that. I was able to preach. And I think many of us have this misperception that the preachers, they are the one that can get the message out more easily, I want to say, I think sometimes it's more difficult for us, actually. You don't believe me. <laughs> it's more difficult for us because when people meet us and people meet you and they know that you're an elder or a pastor, they immediately change. They don't let you into their normal lives. It's like they put this wall up immediately and they want to speak about, oh, I'm a Christian too. And they suddenly they hide their cigarette away and it's like not the same person. And preaching doesn't always have the effect that you would think it has. You give your best and you trust the Holy Spirit, but you don't always know what effect preaching has. And I preached and it went well and I think it made a difference. But then afterwards, I spent some time with my family. And this is maybe more relatable to you. And my aunt and uncle had a massive role in my life. The, the process when I got saved, my mom went through a mental breakdown. Um, she was suicidal and my aunt and uncle were the ones who actually reached in and said, come and live at our house for a bit just to relieve pressure off of your mom. And I went to live with them. And in that process, I actually got saved. And they're Christians and they, they love the Lord, but they've always struggled. They've always been entangled in sin. It's always been a difficult thing, especially because they at one stage had a lot of money. And you know what the Bible says? If you've got a lot of money, it's more, it's more difficult to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think money has made it really difficult. And then they lost their money, and it was, a, it was a difficult thing. And my uncle, in the process, started just drinking more and more over the years. And every time I would go visit, I would realize that his drinking problem had just gotten worse. And my aunt found me as the place where she could off, pack off, in a sense, and tell me all of her struggles and how difficult it is. But... I would just go back, and at some stage I realized, I actually think, no, not actually think, I know my, my uncle is an alcoholic. And I love him to bits. He, he changed my life and how they brought me into their house. And he would start drinking early in the afternoons and then always in the evenings. I don't know if you found drunk people to be like this. Then they want to speak about Jesus when they're drunk. <laughs> and I would just get so frustrated because it would never go in, and I could say what I want, but it could never make a difference. And I went to my, my aunt, uh, first my cousin, who's also in a bad space. He was going through a divorce at that stage. It was just a horrible time. But he, he calls himself a Christian, and I said to him, listen, we need to do something about this. And I started phoning around, and I said to him, I'm going to find a rehab, and we need to sit down with my uncle, your dad, and we need to say to him, there is this rehab. It's been paid for. We'll get the money somehow. Uh, you are going. And he said, okay, he's, he's fine with that. And then we went to my aunt, and she was very hesitant because she wasn't sure how this was going to go, but she said, okay, we'll do it. Uh, let's do it. And so we got my uncle, found a rehab. I, I phoned the 412 church in, in Joburg, and I asked them, do they know of a rehab? And we found a Christian place, which is great. We, we got the money together, and we said, okay, we're doing it. And we actually went to my uncle, and we, we sat down with him. My aunt, 
my cousin who's older than me, I've always looked up to him, and then me, and we sat down with my uncle and we said, listen, you really need help. And he did not take it well. And I said to him, I remember you when you weren't like this, and I see you now and I miss my uncle. And I said to him, Jesus wants to do something in your life, but he, he, you are just limiting him by the fact that you are so... In, you are drinking so much that you are, you just, you're not even able to connect with God. And he sat there through that whole thing and he did not say a word. But he went afterwards and he started packing his bags. And he finished his last job that week and he went to the rehab. He actually went. He didn't say a word to us. And two years later, he has not touched alcohol again in his life. <laughs> and he's, he's in love with God in a way that he hasn't been in many, many years. <laughs> You know, that, that sounds like, um, to some people, that sounds like you didn't evangelize, you didn't, um, you didn't give him the three steps now to become a Christian. You know what? All I actually did there is I was following the words of Jesus. And this is not to, to put a light on me. I just wanted to give an example. All I did is I realized that when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, then I actually need to go shine my light somehow. And it specifically speaks here about shining your light through your good works. And that for me was a good work in shining my light. I went into a dark situation and I said, Jesus has called me to be an ambassador of his kingdom. Meaning no one else is going to do this. I need to step in there, know that God is with me and shine my light here. This is controversial. Prayer is not what did it. Prayer is not what did it. It's someone realizing that they are the light of the world and stepping in and bringing Jesus' light into a situation. So I want to ask you, are there maybe areas where you can shine the light of Jesus? Again, take the pressure off of yourself. You don't have to have the gospel laid out eloquently in your head. It helps. But that's not the be-all and end-all. All you need is a story, confidence that you know Jesus, and an understanding that you are to sh shine your good works, shine Jesus in front of others. The question is, are there areas where we can shine the light of Jesus in dark situations? What about your job? If you're sitting here and you work, are there maybe areas where you can go and you can actually shine your light there? Just go and be an ambassador of Jesus in your family. Now, your friends, you can pick. Your family gets picked for you. Okay. Your family, you, you can't choose. But your family, are there situations where you can maybe go in and shine the light of Jesus? I want to read you a quick scripture. When your studies, even with the people that are studying you, with you, you know, God has placed you among people for a specific reason. Listen to the scripture. Acts 17, verse 26. And God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Listen to this. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. I'm going to read that last part again. God determined allotted periods, meaning when you live, now that you are alive now, God decided that you need to be alive now. And he said, he, and the boundaries of their dwelling place, the fact that you are in Stellenbosch now, you are not here to get your degree, you're not here to work, you're not here for any other reason, but the fact that God chose you to be here. This scripture speaks about the sovereignty of God. Your family was chosen by God for you. God knew you would become a Christian. 
God knew that he would have an ambassador in your family. God knew that he would have an ambassador in your workplace. God knew that he would have an ambassador in your studies. He knew because he knew that he would save you. And he knew exactly what he made you to be and where he made you to live. I hope that's challenging for you. Your family is not yours by mistake. If you've got a difficult family, it must mean that God thinks that you are able to shine your light. (laughs) Yes, if you're struggling with Christians around you and you're not finding fellowship in your workplace or your study place, it might mean that God has got a bit of confidence in you. (laughs) And he's saying, my boy, my girl, I've called you to be there to shine your light. Amen? (laughs) What does Mac always say? What? What? Ouch, ouch and amen, huh? <laughs> amen, and amen. <laughs> so I want to finish off with two scriptures. It's a, it's a fairly simple message tonight. Um, I want to say that for us who are Christians, again, maybe not all of us have given our lives to Jesus. And uh, then this is going to be really difficult for you because you can't share what you don't have. Firstly, you need to be saved by him. Firstly, you need to give over to him, and we'll pray for you afterwards if that's you. But I want to challenge you to, in a sense, this is a, this is a challenge. I, I, feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm wrong, but I don't believe I'm wrong out of the Bible. I want to ask you to stop praying for the unsaved. I want to change your prayers. We're still going to pray for them, but in a different way. Stop praying for your mom. Hear me out. I feel so bad for saying this. It's like sacrilegious, right? Stop. I'm going to change it. Pray in a different way. Because here's what the Bible says. I'm going to take you to two scriptures quickly. Let me say, pray for them less. Start praying these two prayers more. Listen to this prayer, or what we should do here. Firstly, when we pray, it's a challenge. When you want to, when you think of that person that does not know Jesus, when you think of that dark situation. What I see in the Bible is actually less than praying for them. The bigger prayer that you need to pray is for yourself. I want to challenge you to pray for yourself. This is not what we want to do. Acts 4 verse 31. It's just one sample. There are many times that this happens. And when the disciples had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Whenever the disciples came together, what did they pray for? They didn't pray, Jesus, please save the world. Jesus, please take your message into Judea, Samaria, into the the outer corners of the world. They never prayed that. They prayed, God, give us more boldness to go. Is that challenging? (laughs) Like, I'm like, flip God, I want to pray for my family, but many times that's a cop-out because I'm too scared to go be a light in my family. I'm too scared to open up my mouth in the difficult situation, so I just pray for them. But actually, I should pray, God, please help me to open my mouth. Please help me to say something. Please give me the opportune moment to shine my light in front of others. Amen? I think that should be challenging should be challenging. Second thing that we should pray for, actually, is what Jesus said again, Matthew 9, verse 36 to 38. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest 
to send out laborers into the harvest. The second prayer we pray is not only for ourselves, but we pray for more people to go and shine their light. <laughs> we pray for more harvesters. It actually says the fields are white, they're ready. He's not saying pray that the fields will be ready. The people are ready to hear saying this. People are ready. Some are maybe more ready, but, but people are ready to hear saying pray that there will be more people that will go and speak. Are you being challenged by this a little bit? Yo, man, I feel like so many times in my life, I just want to emphasize this again. I've prayed for people, but it's because I don't have the boldness and the confidence to go and speak. And I want to pray actually tonight as we end. I want to pray, God, give us boldness. I'm going to pray, God, for my family. Pray, give me boldness to go and shine your light in my family. Let's, let's maybe stand. We're going to pray this prayer together. It's a dangerous prayer, so you don't have to pray this together. But I want to pray in a moment. I'm going to pray, God, give me boldness to go. Yes, and he just might do it. <laughs> he just might do it because those people around you, you know, he loves them more than you love them. He cares for them more than you care for them. I mean, he died on a cross for them. If you think of those people that don't know him, he knows them better because he died on a cross for them. He knows everything about them. And so the prayer that we pray is, oh God, please give me boldness to go. Oh Lord, please give me the words. Oh Lord, please give me your love for them. Please give me your heart for them so that I cannot stand still, but that I can go and be a light there. And then I pray, Lord, please send more people. Send more laborers into the harvest field, Lord. We need more people to preach the gospel, to go and be a light in this world. So maybe if you want to pray that with me, I want to invite you maybe even to raise your hands, just as a sign of like, Lord, this is me. I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering. Maybe we should pray this prayer out loud together. I'm going to pray, and then you pray after me. Jesus Christ. Thank you that you've made me a light to the world. Help me to shine my light. If I've covered my light, help me to uncover it. Lord, I pray for my friends. Give me boldness to speak to them, to show your love, to show good works to them. Lord, for my family, give me boldness to speak, to show your compassion, to tell my story. Lord, in my workplace, help me to shine my light. Lord, in my studies and the people who are with me, help me to tell them about you. Help me to shine my light. Lord, I pray for all of us standing here. God, we pray for your compassion for people who do not know you, Lord. Lord, this thing of being ministers of reconciliation are not just for the super Christians, but all of us have been called and saved so that we can shine your light in front of others, Lord. Lord, I pray for every person here, Lord. If there's a shyness or, 
we say we're too shy or too much of an introvert, Lord, I pray that you would come and break those boxes off of us. Lord, I pray that you would give us your heart for people who do not know you. Give us your heart for the lost. Give us your heart for the broken, for the downtrodden, for those who do not have spiritual family even. Give us your heart so that we would be those who are not afraid to speak to strangers, who are not afraid to open up our mouths for you and for your sake, God. Help us, Lord. Just where you're standing, you can keep your eyes closed. But I want to give you an opportunity tonight if you do not know Jesus. Because as I said, you, if you see the lostness of the world around you and you think, God, you must want to do something, it starts with Him doing a work in you. Because when He died on that cross, He not only thought of the world, He not only thought of those other people, but He thought of you. He said, I'm dying so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be made right with me. And He says to you tonight, this is what the Bible says, Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Lay down every other thing that is important to you and say, Lord, please, I want to make you the most important person in my life. So just with all of our eyes closed, no one's looking around now. If you want to make right with him, you want to give your life to him, you want to be saved for heaven, but also to be a minister of reconciliation. If that's you with all the eyes closed, can I ask you to raise your hand, to be bold and just raise your hand. Thank you. Just keep it up. Just keep your hand up. If I can have some girls praying here in the front, some guys there at the back in the corner. Just keep your hand up. Anyone else that wants to make right with them? Just raise your hand if that's you. Anyone else? Don't be scared. It's, you can be bold. It says, if you confess me in front of others, I will confess you in front of the Father. Let's pray for these people. If, if, if you put your hand up now, it seems like there's a couple. I'm going to pray a prayer for you, and I want you... Listen, it's, actually, I'm not going to do this, because it's not about a sinner's prayer per se. It's about you praying out of your heart, and all you need to say to God is, I'm sorry and thank you. It's basically as simple as that. Lord, I'm sorry for living my own life and thank you for dying on a cross and saving me tonight. So just where you're standing out loud in your own language, whatever language it is, people don't have to understand. Can I ask you to take a moment and out loud in front of the people standing around you, the rest of us are just going to pray for you. So the rest of us, let's intercede for these people. Let's pray for them. But just in your own language, just say that to God. Lord, I'm sorry and thank you. Just pray that prayer now. We'll give you a minute. Just pray it out loud. The rest of us, let's pray for these people. Let's pray for them. prayed you can start praying for them when you're around them just pray for God to move in their lives (laughs) 
Yo, this is a massive miracle God is doing. While they're praying, can we just also pray for them for a moment? I'm going to pray. Just agree with me. Lord, I thank you for every person responding to you tonight, Lord. Oh, Lord, the biggest miracle we can see you do on this earth is when you bring sinners home, Lord. When you bring salvation to people, Lord, we pray for these people who have responded tonight, have put up their hands, Lord. We pray that you would move in their lives. Thank you for your reconciliation. Thank you for the miracle you are doing in their lives right now, God. We thank you for a miracle even now, Lord. Come and save them. Come and redeem them, Lord. Come and speak your destiny over them even, Lord. Come and move in their lives. Come and move in your lives, in their lives. So those people will continue praying for you for a moment. They'll get your details. We'd love to follow up with you and walk this road with you. But I'm maybe going to ask, I don't know, Henry, just to come and close for us in prayer. Now, Father, we thank you for, for a challenging word, yet good. Father, we thank you for... We don't always know why you do it, God, but it's such a privilege to be called ministers of reconciliation, God. It's such a big task, yet we know we're not doing this alone, but we're doing it with you. That you said it's better than I go that I could send the Holy Spirit, the helper that would go with you. And Father, I thank you that we can have that comfort that we are not going out alone, but with our God. And Father, we thank you that we, we know that you are good, that you are powerful, that you're almighty. Lord, we can just look at your CV and your track record. It's, it's, it writes all over history, faithful one, faithful one. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for um, just this precious time in your presence. Amen. Amen and amen. Sure. For the visitors, just want to encourage you guys to um, hand in your visitors' forms. We would love to just to hang out with you. We're going to have... Uh, also, a couple of baptisms, so let's not run off. Uh, that's going to happen now outside, so we can just gather around the pool. And those getting baptized, it's time to put on your um, swimming clothes, and then we will see you guys outside. Uh, yeah, your wetsuit, because it's quite cold. <laughs> Bless you guys. <laughs>